you can continue to stand with the vulture funds or you can finally say that this stops now. First time buyers, 500 a week drawing down their mortgage, the highest we've seen since I was in my late 20s. What have we done to try and help those people? If this happened in Dublin, should be sorted. Hello and you're very welcome to Your Politics Podcast from RT News. It's Paul Cunningham here standing in for Anya Lawler who is over in Europe in advance of the European Parliament elections finding out what is happening in Brussels and in Strasbourg. Joining me in studio today is Mio Lahan, RT's political correspondent and the legend of print journalism, Elaine Lachlan, political editor of the Irish Examiner. Very welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Am I old enough to be a legend? <laughs> well, listen, your legendary status might only last the duration <laughs> of this podcast, but we'll give it a crack anyway. Um, I might be laughing, but I'm going to stop laughing now because while RT loves to report the news, Michal Lahan, um, for the past eight sad months, we have been the news. And there was another chapter of it yesterday in relation to the Eryctus or Eryctus Media Committee. And um, we thought they were going to kick over the embers of this saga, the TDs and senators. But what do you know? The flame continues to burn brightly. Yeah, and we thought too the main focus would be on Toy Show, the musical, the fiasco as it's been called in Doll. Who said that? Today. Pierce Doherty. Okay. Uh, talking about the man who he said was the driving force behind the fiasco and of course the payment made to Rory Coveney, the director of strategy, which is now really where the political focus is being going to, to land for the next one. How much was Rory Coveney paid when he departed RTE last summer? That question remains. As of now, this evening, it seems following a meeting between the RTE Director General Kevin Backhurst and Catherine Martin, the position is that RTE will seek updated legal advice to see if they can give that kind of information out. Uh, as of the October 17th, when they wrote to the committees, they said they couldn't, but the pressure is building and building. Then there was the big revelation yesterday, the big, big amount of money handed over to RTE's former finance boss, the woman who was in charge of the money, uh, and she walked out the door with €450,000. There were gasps in the committee rooms when that amount was made public. That's been described as a, a deal cooked up behind closed doors as Breed O'Keefe walked into the sunset. That's how it was described in the doll under privilege this morning. However, this afternoon, she is assured by what Kevin Backers has told her that when it comes to that deal, it was calculated within the terms of the 2017 voluntary exit scheme at RTE. And therefore, despite what seemed a really, really significant intervention from the Thonister this morning when he talked about the need to reassess the payment, she said it doesn't need to be reassessed, that there is confidence that it's in keeping with those terms. So it's 450,000 to Breda O'Keefe, politically hot, but it looks safe in her bank account. Looks nicely qualified, caveated there. I mean, just two follow-ups. One was, why do you believe there were audible gasps when the 450,000 figure was delivered, when speculation had been that it was in and around 400,000 euro anyway? And to what extent will TDs and senators from, whether it's the Media Committee or the Public Accounts Committee, which will want to hear from RT executives and board members again, you know, are they going to be reassured? Because more likely than not, they're going to want to see the documents, the black and white. Yeah, and they must be... Given the nature of the assurances given to the minister this evening, you do feel that there is something solid behind that. And of course, this would have been poured over as well by McCann Fitzgerald when they did look through the voluntary exit schemes. So for the moment, at least, that does look to be fairly watertight. But I think the political fallout will remain. They were sh- People were shocked because I think the upper end of that 
sum was always thought to be around 400,000. The fact that I think the revelation came at all, it didn't take too much probing from uh, the most assiduous of all questioners, Alan Dillon, in the end, to Gavin Backers when he said, you're underprivileged, you should tell us. And then he did, and it was 450,000. So even higher, uh, again, I think that was that was one of the reasons why people were, were fairly shocked. What did you make of it, Elaine? Because Alan Dillon, the Fine Gael TD, asked Mr Backers to say it twice. Mm-hmm. He gave it and then he said, can you say that to me again? Yeah, and ha- there has been a lot of drama in these committee meetings all through. You wouldn't think uh, Alan Dillon had such a sense of theatric drama in him naturally. That no, Mayo but I think they've had plenty of... Doesn't look to be the most dramatic, <laughs> but he had it, he had it. And they have had plenty of practice now at this yes. stage in the, these very high profile committee meetings and um, that have been aired on television. So it shows the interest both within Leinster House and outside. But I think it's just yet another... Uh, revelation. And if we go back to the very start, this started with Ryan Tuberty, with a payment made to Ryan Tuberty. And then it rolled into flip-flops, barter accounts, uh, Rugby World Cup tickets. We then had the toy show, uh, the musical fiasco. And we thought that that would be the main event yesterday. And it turned out to be yet another revelation, this payment to Breed O'Keefe. And again, uh, this isn't yesterday's uh, grilling before that Oireachtas Committee doesn't put a lid on the controversy or what we think will come out because um, as Michal has said there's still question marks around Rory Coveney's uh, payments and how much he got uh, when he left the organisation. Do you think we might be reaching the end of it because to a certain extent, what we're coming up against is not sort of documentation which hasn't been handed over. It's the ability of RT to provide information because they've secured legal advice to say, you are not allowed to go in there and say mm-hmm. that. And Mr. Backhurst now is checking with his lawyers again, we believe. But, you know, are we getting to the end of this, would you say? Well, for the staff in RT um, who are working very hard and have been working very hard throughout the many months now of controversy that has dogged the national broadcaster, you'd hope so. Um, and I think it was interesting of the Thonish who's questioned in the doll today on this. And he basically said that coverage of global events is not where it should be. No, I blame um, Cunningham for that, really. I thought I mean, he was there, he was out there. <laughs> need more. Well, um, wants more. Uh, well, <laughs> that does come down. And he's seen it on the ground. He's probably seen you in action as well, Paul. And he's he's not very happy with with the world. I think he just wants to be sort coverage. of latched onto him. Um, but I, I just wonder, Michal, we've had the theatre, as you said, of these um, Oireachtas Committee hearings. The Public Accounts Committee, as I said, most more than likely going to have another crack at it again. To what extent is that going to be the legacy and the power of the committee rather than the actual final report itself? Because oh, yeah. everything will on the table but oh yeah it's always like I mean you don't want to be facetious about it but it is the show too it's the political show and that will be more important and will get more information out than any reports that that the committees will ultimately drop committee reports by and large rarely there are occasions where they do have a bit of sting in them and a bit of impact but I think it's the next pack appearance now is the big one because that could be the last big day and the heavy hitters are in there Kevin Backhurst referencing Alan Kelly a lot yesterday which I wonder was that an attempt to to show that they were listening closely to Alan Kelly he said it was work by him particularly in questions by him that it opened up the entire front around the Brito O'Keefe issue but that appearance will be key. I know government keep talking about the two big important reports on culture and governance, but I don't I, I don't know, but I don't think there's going to be anything in them comparable with what has emerged so far, that list that Elaine went through there from, from the flip-flops you, to everything is that, is that it then? Do you think by March, uh, Elaine Lachlan, that what you'll have is the media um, committee report, the public accounts committee report, the two government internal mm-hmm. reports, possibly 
Kevin Backhurst's strategic four-year plan report. And after that, then, it just is normalised. It slowly peters out and then I suppose the staff and the the current management will have to grapple with what to do next. And of course, we haven't mentioned the funding issue which came up in the doll um, through Sinn Féin this week. Now, they got uh, fairly lambasted by other members of the opposition for their plans to scrap the TV licence and also give people an amnesty uh, who haven't paid. Um, But that has to be... um, Something has to budge there when it comes to the future funding, not just of RT. I think the government have made it clear that they'd like to address future funding of media. And, and what does that? That's a good public service media is the phrase that's being used. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the public mind, they just automatically think RT. So from the Irish Examiner or the Irish Times group, what does public service media mean in the context of uh, funds which would allow journalists to do that work? Certainly, and it would allow uh, journalists to look into, as Michal Martin pointed out, the foreign coverage, uh, things that might not be clickbait necessarily on a website or or online um, or even a newspaper on television but are of great importance um, but also as well you have to remember local media, um, they're really vital in local communities, local counties um, around informing people of what's going on and perhaps that local media could also uh, be or benefit from whatever funding model is arrived at by the government. Any last thoughts on this thing? I mean, like it goes all the way back to June of last year and it sort of nearly reminds me of that U2 song, One, you know, it's too late tonight to drag the past out into the light. There's been a sense nice, that... Nice. Did uh, you think of that earlier? Uh, yeah. There's been a sense that, to a certain extent, that some of this has been dragged out of RT, and yet if you talk to the executives or listen to the committee, they're saying, like, this has been complicated. They've had truckloads of documents coming down to the Oireachtas. Yeah, I thought yesterday was going to be more low-key than it ultimately turned out. So you do feel anytime the RT executives and board members go into Leinster House, more does emerge. And mm. I think even the politicians who may be inclined to, in Ivana Batrick's word, turn over a new leaf, if the stuff keeps tripling yeah. out at the end of the opportunities, the meetings, yeah, yeah. It, it may it may linger for a little bit longer. You do feel things are moving, though. There's an urgency around the big funding question. I suppose that is ultimately where this is going, even though the Taoiseach, we're less clear at the end of this week as to what he favours when it comes to that future funding model. Every indication coming from him and those close to him up to this week had been that he was talking about direct exchequer funding. But when Sinn Féin went so strongly in that direction this week, uh, he did speak about the dangers of uh, direct exchequer funding, how it could put undue influence and RT from a future government and then saying under privilege again that there is someone in this house he said who is currently suing RT and that is a major conflict of interest. Who is he talking about Michal? Well we do know the leader of the opposition Mary Lou MacDonald is currently suing RT. He, he didn't name her but under privilege looked at her and then said something similar later on during leaders questions yeah, as I think well. He, he raised his hands nearly pointing across the um, mm. chamber. Well let's move on. You had an early start to your morning Elaine Lachlan. The Taunashta had a guest to Ivy House on Stephen's screen. Who was that mm-hmm. and what were they talking about? Yes and this is the, the head of UNRWA the Palestinian UN's Palestinian uh, agency to help uh, refugees uh, across uh, both Gaza but also the West Bank and in Lebanon as well Um, and obviously since those allegations were made by Israel that UNRWA staff were involved in the October 7th Hamas attacks 12 of them yeah yes there have been 15 states that have pulled funding and this is vital funding Uh, you know we've over 1.5 million people displaced now in Rafah and you see it on on the television screens on on Instagram and and on the internet Uh, Children in tents, um, 
now being told that possibly they have to get out of those tents and go elsewhere. Where is elsewhere? And the UN is stating that. So Micheál Martin came out very strongly saying that, that other countries should be doing the opposite, should not be pulling funding, but should be in increasing funding. And he announced, obviously, that Ireland will give another £20 million towards UNRWA uh, to fund everything that they do on the ground to really maintain civilization, if you can even call it that, in Gaza right now. I mean, it was interesting that he came out so robustly. There wasn't a, a doubt in his mind mm-hmm. in relation to what should be done. We know that from, you know, if you look at the coverage that's happening in Israel, UNRWA has got major questions they see and they don't understand why when accusations are being made that you've got workers actually participating in the Hamas-led attack on October the 7th and we know that 1,200 people were killed or murdered in that attack, that more isn't being done. I'm just wondering why whether uh, Micheál Martin uh, to a certain extent could have been blindsided by Ireland's traditional, traditional um, association with um, advocating on behalf of Palestinians as opposed to addressing um, these claims and, uh, that were be made by um, the Israeli government? Well, he did point to the fact that there are 30,000 staff uh, working for UNRWA, not just in Gaza now, but as I said, across other areas, the West Bank, uh, East Jerusalem and the Lebanon. So when you have such a large staff, uh, it's not correct, it's not right, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility that some of these people may have been influenced and may have gone rogue, if you want to say it that way. But again, he said that that has to be thoroughly investigated. Um, Interestingly enough, though, he did indicate that even if there are uh, findings against these 12, and and there are allegations at the moment, and I think uh, Micheál Martin and both the the chief of honour that was in Dublin today were clear to say that they haven't got much in the way of solid proof from Israel as of yet around those. Exactly. Um, But Ireland will probably continue to support UNRWA um, even if there are findings against those staff because without UNRWA Gaza will essentially cease to exist. Um, There is no alternative uh, to supporting the women, children and civilians in Gaza right now. Yeah, I mean, um, Michal Lohan, bringing you back into this one, it has been noticeable in, in, in recent months that the government's position has hardened in relation to its stance. If you cast your mind back to last year, um, the government was uh, uh, arguing that it had to work in concert with its EU um, member states. Um, but now they seem to be doing something differently. That letter... yeah. Ireland, Spain, to Commission nearly seem to signal a, a sense that, well, if the European Commission and European Union isn't prepared to act in concert, like-minded states are going to do something anyway. Yeah, and try and push. I suppose officially they'll say what they're trying to do is to push for a unified position. But you can clearly see Ireland and Spain taking the lead there and saying that when it comes to that EU-Israel, what is essentially a trade agreement, that that now has to be reviewed. And if it's found to be in any way in breach the terms of it around human rights obligations and the like, well, then sanctions uh, should follow essentially economic trade sanctions, it seems, are on the cards there. So that, that is a big departure. You kind of wouldn't know it when you see the debate on the doll, and that's what the, the government mm-hmm. is seen uh, by many in Leinster House not to have been gone, not to go anywhere near far enough as they should, uh, and to chime clearly enough with public sentiment probably on the ground in Ireland who feel government should be taking a stronger line. But they have walked that balancing tightrope, I suppose, to a certain extent. Again, it comes back to the approach that Leo Varadkar spoke about. If you go too far out in a limb, no one will listen to you. But they have taken a lead here, but I suppose they have done it not with one of the most powerful EU countries, but still a big EU country in Spain. To what extent, Elaine, do you think that is down to, say, for example, public opinion here? 
being so strong in relation to um, the concern for Palestinians who have been under bombardment mm. for four months now? Or is it something that they've come to the conclusion that they're not going to get that unity of purpose and on that basis they're just going to have to do something different? Yeah, I think it's a, probably a combination of both, Paul. And I thought it was interesting while there are moves from the Taoiseach's office sending that joint letter, which is uh, a new departure. I think the Taunish himself as well uh, went further than ever before. And you were at that event this morning as well when he said uh, and really pointed towards Israel, we do not know the full horrors that are going on in Gaza right now. And it's only when there is a ceasefire, when people are let back, let in international observers, possibly politicians, members of the media, that will we we will learn the full extent. And he used the word horrors and was questioned about this and asked, is is Israel purposely undermining the likes of UNRWA and other international agencies so the truth doesn't get out there essentially? And he agreed. He said, yes, this is a tactic being deployed by Israel that they are purposely trying to undermine the UN and UNRWA. And indeed, he went so far as to say and undermine the possibility of a two-state solution again. It was strident. It was. It really yeah. was. And unusual for Hall Martin because he's a man who is, I think, uh, naturally cautious, especially when it comes to international issues. He's very aware that uh, diplomacy is very important in these sorts of situations. So it was quite unusual for him to come out so strong. Yeah. And let's cut back to um, domestic politics and um, Hall Fine Gael. Um, had another announcement in which a sitting TD was not going to stand in the next general election. That brings the number to nine. And, and if, if you Murphy count in on Murphy, it's yeah. 10. And they've yeah. only got how many seats? Is it 34? Yeah. Uh, because Joe McHugh is outside the parliamentary party or is it 33? Can't remember. But either way, is this a significant issue for Fine Gael or is it just the way these things happen? Well, it is a significant issue because there's no doubt about it. Incumbency is important by and large. And if you have about a third and there could be one or two more facing mm-hmm. into the next election who are not in position, well, then whatever advantages new candidates here and there do give you, that's too profound a challenge, you would think, to come back to, to increase your seats does seem to be a stretch. So it's a problem. See, there's there's the great unsaid in all this that people in Fine Gael won't say, but go on. with the exception of the European elections uh, and Leo Varadkar as a person who they looked to as this person who walked around with magic dust who would win elections for them. There are people looking at it and weighing it up and saying, well, he's not, he's not brilliant at that. He's the track record when it comes to TDs winning seats off the back of Leo Varadkar as leader. It just isn't there. I so mean, that, lost, that is somewhere. They lost 12 seats at the last general election 2020. That's the, the fact of it. Yeah. And there were seats lost in, in the 2019 locals as well, wasn't there? Yeah. I mean, the first big run out for, for Leo Varadkar. So they pointed to the Europeans and say, well, you got five big seats there. Yeah, that was that was a good day. But then you look to the, the Dublin Bay South by-election as well, inside in the heartland that, that Fine Gael wasn't able to, to win. Uh, so... I, th- I think it, it's not a huge factor, but there probably are people looking at it. There probably are people in Fine Gael saying to do I have a stomach for what could well be a long rebuilding job in opposition? Just the natural cycle of things suggests that that's a strong possibility. What's your sense of it, Elaine? Yeah, and look, before any general election, you always have a bit of natural attrition. People decide not to continue or at a certain age or a certain place in their career. Um, and that's a good point because this isn't just 
people who are in the men and women in their 60s exactly. who are deciding to toddle off. There's a quite a range in age this time. Yeah, and uh, like you may look to the likes of Richard Bruton and Fergus O'Dowd, you might say, yes, okay, they've served a long uh, period in Leinster House. But there's others who were very strong uh, in getting Leo Radker to where he is now insofar as they were very much uh, working for him in that heave against Enda Kenny and also getting him into what he, I, I use the word heave uh, moves, moves to yeah. gently push <laughs> Enda the 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 lo- in the down, long like, goodbye yeah. um, that was Enda Kenny um, and kind of were his key allies and they are leaving and they are you know young men um, the majority I think they're all young men aren't they Michal well, young enough yeah young, young enough <laughs> I like to not quite county <laughs> <laughs> young but it was interesting Michal did a, um, a blog around Christmas time where he was engaging with um, some of the TDs not just Fine Gael, but across party who were leaving and one of the things which came up there was like a common theme and one of the those themes was having to deal with the hostility and nastiness of social media and that just being a factor in which is dragging them down and couple that with COVID where they're at home with their families and thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, that seems to be it. Yeah, the kind of abrasive nature of things and the fact that things have become more polarised. I suppose there there was a sense that things were really bad during the recession and during the economic downturn, but that the political hope was at least if the economy got better, as happened before, well then politics in some ways not doesn't become an easier job, but, but gets more straightforward, focus on economic matters, that that's not the case anymore now. It remains abrasive and people who are in politics have that constant feeling that there may well be protests outside their house right at their doorsteps or something that was quite rare in the past. That's all there in the mix, as well as that there does as you say, COVID does seem to have convinced a lot of people that the notion of driving from a rural constituency on a Tuesday morning, then all day Thursday is essentially spent travelling home and then Friday, Saturday, if you're in the bigger rural constituencies, are spent driving again. So you're down to uh, very, very little time at all outside of that. That sense of politics as a something for life and a vocation does seem to be going. There's only a few people you could look to of the of the younger gang who you could say, well, will they be here in 20 years' time? Yeah. It's interesting though and, and spin is just great in politics and a number of Fine Gael people are actually putting a positive spin on this. Oh, um, yeah? In so far as that if someone leaves, it makes way for a new, mm-hmm. fresh face. Oh, the regeneration argument. Exactly. And Fine Gael, although it has been in power for three ter- terms now, will be going with brand new candidates and will look like a shiny new alternative okay. party party almost that might be uh, a good contender for governing again. Um, now, I don't know if if people who are spinning that line believe the spin that they're spinning, but that's the, uh, certainly a line. a line that's been put forward now. Well, just to wrap it up then. Um, what was Alan we, Hansen say about the great uh, Alex Ferguson team? Well, you win nothing with babies, wasn't it? With he kids. Was, uh, with kids. He was, mm-hmm. no, he was wrong though. Just a bit. Just a bit. Well, let's use that analogy because... No, before we go, it was key No, I'm not going anywhere. All right, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. save before that go, for the end. Um, just that idea of we're heading into elections. We've got definitely the locals and Europeans. And then we've got maybe... And we've got theories of plenty. All the elections are going to be held on the same day. Mm. If you talk to some people, then yes. there'll be a week well, after. Sort of they'll just come back the next week and they'll go straight I heard again. it was definitely June. It's definitely September. And it's definitely February. Yeah. And there'll be no budget. Oh, actually, there'll be three budgets. The parties <laughs> yeah. will each publish their own budget. Yeah, well, I I know my heart is okay because I didn't go into cardiac arrest earlier on this week when I heard that Heather Humphreys was bringing forward the child benefit arrangements or payments for 18-year-olds because when I saw that, it really set off alarm bells as to the possibility of 
a June election, possibly mm. after paying out the uh, yeah. The €140 Euro well, payment to those 18-year-olds. What we often hear is that, um, well, any leader would want to have a quick look at the old European elections and use that as a guide to determine how the party's doing. Is that actually true? Well, the last time it wasn't yeah. a proper barometer at all. Of anything. And certainly yeah. the locals weren't the no, last time we no. saw Sinn Féin plummet and then resurge only 18 months afterwards. So you really mm. can't rely on, I think, local or even European elections. So if you look to Gael, though, I mean, they will need the councillors, won't they? They will need those councillors. And I mean, you would feel that the councillors need a few weeks uh, to find, <laughs> you know, to become candidates for the general election. There'd be no point probably going straight in a few, just a week or two after those locals. They probably yeah. need some time so September. to get a run together. Yeah, I think so. I still think there'll be a budget. I mean, I, why wouldn't there be a budget if there's government have a surplus which and they have money to spare and they have a final tilt at nailing money into things that they deem to be important? Okay. Why would why would that all be handed follow, away? If you follow that logic, so the budget is in October. How quickly? You can go very early October. But then you'd have to signal that in the, um, the end of summer September. We've like done it only two years ago. That's right. But yeah. um, what about if you, say if you did the, uh, how quickly could you do the Finance Act? I'm just trying to think of a date. So that might mean you'd be going at the end of October yeah, or beginning of November. Well, you could do the finance bill quite tr- quickly if you want. I mean, there have been during the emergency budgets in the past, wasn't it, that, that it can roll through fairly quickly. Social welfare bill as well. Can you do that yeah. quickly? Well, you'd have to. Wouldn't well, you? you'd stop all other business in the mm-hmm. doll, but it Just would be tipping off. It would essentially be giving the opposition the date of the election well in advance. So it would be giving them a, a bit of an opportunity. If you brought the budget in advance, but if you didn't, well, you could it, deal with those two even if bills you have really a budget quickly. insofar in comparison to let's say what Michal's saying if you have it in September uh, and don't have a budget um, then you're kind of blindsiding you're hoping the opposition and um, now this is all for Leo Vradker to, to weigh up and judge himself but certainly if you have a budget you know the government is probably going to go immediately afterwards so from that day on I think the opposition would be out canvassing like it's an election campaign yeah I, I I know politicians say that when it comes to the idea of budgets and even if there's giveaways in them, that there isn't a great degree of mm. public gratitude at the end of that. But it would still, you would think from a political point of view, be better to give something and to have something to give uh, rather than not. Why, why would you not do that? that I'm sure Heather is giving the 140 yeah. child benefit out of budgetry. Yeah, but she could sign uh, another 140 in another budget. 19 year olds. We'll all be knows. getting the child benefit next year. Indeed. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, you wanted to say something oh, yeah, big witty question. at the end? Well, not really, but it's Richard, Odun- Richard, Richard O'Donoghue unexpectedly wishing everyone a happy Valentine's Day yesterday and apologising to his wife for not being there, but kind of suggesting he would bring her for a bite to eat before the week is but out. I was there we a just qual- kind of wish of some clarity whether that has I was going to say, was, I thought there was a bit of qualification. <laughs> he may take her out. It was a fair hint that, that, that they would go for a bite to eat. Likely. K, More than K, yeah. K, well, listen, yeah. well, let's hope that Richard and let's K hope do get out this week. Yeah, mm. yeah. But on we that might have an update note, next week. Exactly. We'll bring him in. FOI. <laughs> on that note, we're going to bring this discussion to a close. I'd like to thank um, RT's political correspondent, Michal Lahan, and Elaine Lockham, political editor of the Irish Examiner. Thank you very much for joining us. Anya will bring sanity back to the podcast next week. Uh, we'll join you then. Take care. Thank you.